Welcome to the main ingredient here on 680 CJOB. I'm Kevin Bergen, and this week I was on the road again, and since this is a food show recording inside a restaurant, it just makes sense. So I went to visit my good friend Sean Branson, who owns a few restaurants, including the one we were in, which is the Promenade Cafe and Wine, located at 130 Provence Boulevard. We drank beer, wine, and we talked about how we got into the restaurant business. So how's it so, going? Things are great. Yeah, things are great. So it's nice... Uh Nice summer day, nice and hot. And it is, perfect yeah, out here, man. Yeah. Tons of people outside. Yeah, lots of people, uh, you know, out in St. Boniface, we're just overlooking uh, Provence Bridge and uh, Esplanade Riel, and yeah, there's lots of people walking around and having ice cream, drinking local beer, and uh, yeah. How much stuff have we done together? Do you realize this is mm -hmm. the second time I've sat down in here? Seriously? It is. Really? It's the second time I've sat down here. We've wow. talked about a million things. Yeah, yeah. We've done a few events together. This is Absolutely. my second time running and sitting down here. Cool. Well, cheers. It's good to have you here, Kevin, sure. at Promenade. Okay, so let's talk about how you got here. Right. Your, so, your, your start into the, uh, in the, in the yeah. restaurant industry. Yeah, it's some, the restaurant business is something that I started uh, when I was 14 years old, yeah. uh, washing dishes at Pantages Restaurant. Uh, my best friend's father, uh, best friend from when I was five years old, was Michael Kattenfeld. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, we went to Lakewood together uh, Lakewood. for elementary. Oh my God. Lakewood, Lakewood is the best, we yeah. the students know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was best friends with him from kindergarten all the way through. Um, started working for him when I was 14, washing dishes and then working in the kitchen and quite a while ago. And, uh, and then, yeah, worked my way with him for 12 years, learned a lot from him and uh, managed some other places, created uh, first martini bar in the city, won some wine spectator awards, and uh, currently right now, running uh, three food and beverage facilities. When did you know that this was going to be your livelihood? When did you well, know you were going to stay? I was a pretty good dishwasher. You know, I did, you know, and, and, yeah, yeah. And, and you know what, at, at times uh, I jump back into the dish pit and has to have the challenge. We do catering at Lower Fort Gary and we leave the, uh, let the dishwasher go early some nights and I finish things up because you can't have anything but a sparkling dish pit at the end. So still do that. And, is, that, uh, is that soothing for you? Because it's 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 kind of just there's no thinking. You just get to do. You know, in in life, especially with what I've created for myself with running three restaurants and three businesses, there's never an end. I mean, you can just keep on going. You can go 20 hours a day and not have everything done. So it's nice to see the finish line and and servers bring you more things to clean. And it I don't know. It just feels good to bring something to completion where it's not such a rarity in you know in life and stuff like yeah, that you're in yeah. the right industry man yeah okay so there's a ton of milestones that you went through along the way yeah here, yeah right so from the t from the point when you were in the dish pit yeah when did you realize hey you know i'm gonna stay here a little longer and maybe i'll yeah. take on this challenge well like i always I, I love being around people i i like the team aspect of having all these different front of the house the servers and you at that time was working at uh, victor's and amici restaurant and you know, it was the waiters and the bus people, bus bus boys and bus girls, and and then you had the host, and there was all these different sort of factors and working together as a team, and just having a, a ever changing kind of moments where everything's different all the time. You mm -hmm. know, different challenges each night. Uh, I had a paintball survival game business for a while, going through university, so I did that for a while, and and that's kind of when I said, you know what, I I meant to own my own businesses, right. to, to be a leader and, and, and to be creative. Mm -hmm. And I um, did that for a while, uh, had a fishing business that I brought Americans to Winnipeg uh, or Manitoba to go fishing, created websites and things like that. But I always came back to restaurants and, 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 and the whole thing and, and then um, my first uh, sort of uh, 
co-ownership was uh, when I created G Martini Bar in Osborne mm -hmm. Village. I remember that. That was really yeah, good. yeah. It was the first martini bar in the city. It was amazing. I did a lot of research, mixed uh, 144 different martinis, uh, had a martini du jour, and, and by the end of it, I had to watch myself with the amount of alcohol I was consuming over <laughs> those couple of months. And, um, you know, that was lots of fun. And we started on the wine thing when I uh, started working at Beaujolais Restaurant, which is a fine dining French restaurant, and won the Wine Spectator Award. It was the first uh, Manitoban to do that there. Did that for seven years. and. Worked at the Fairmont Hotel and then ran the Aqua Country Club for nine years as the first place it was an owner. And then uh, now Promenade, uh, provisions at Lower Fort Erie and Fort Gibraltar. That is a lot. Yeah. Holy smokes. Did you ever picture yourself doing that? Yeah. Or just kind of, well, you know what, sometimes you're so busy doing yeah. that you don't even notice that you're actually... The honest truth your... is I would have 10 restaurants if I could. Yeah. I, I love the process of creating restaurants. When we when I created G Martini Bar, I just love the aspect of things. Mm -hmm. Looking at everything from top to bottom and either I'm easily distracted or uh, or I'm, I just like to be creative. You know, mm -hmm. when uh, we created at Naqua Country Club, it was uh, the first, uh, we were the first outside caterer to run a private golf and country club. Mm -hmm. We created uh, Promenade, or sorry, Provence Bistro. Mm -hmm. And Provence was a fine dining French restaurant. We were in, uh, five out of five stars from Murray Norhoft and Discreet Diner. We were named in En Route magazine as one of the top new restaurants in Canada. And, you know, it, it was fun creating that big wine list and that experience. But after a while, we felt, you know what, we just want to be in a stage in our life where we just want to feed people. Mm -hmm. And that's where Promenade comes in, still things made from scratch, the stocks, the soups, uh, all the meats, everything like that, but at very reasonable prices. Right. Like, why do we need uh, rack of lamb, we can do lamb shanks and, and, and you know, bring, and I'm happy that we made that tr transition from fine dining. Mm -hmm. yeah. what, what, what about feeding people makes you happy? Well, and that's, you know, just, just bringing things to people. Like, I probably wouldn't have been in this industry if I worked at a restaurant where things came out of a bag and you weren't proud of what you did. I mean, sure. I, w I was working with some amazing chefs, so, you know, over the years, whether it's uh, Heinz Kattenfeldt, who is my mentor, who I worked for him and his, my, and his wife for... Uh, you know, 14 years. Uh, uh, chef Costa Beaujolais, who's the, the chef at the Manitoba Club now, amazing chef. You know, uh, of course, all the chefs that worked for me over the years, there's some amazing ones there too. And, and uh, you know, that kind of thing, being able to be proud of what you're doing and, and leading people too and, and having people learn is important to me. Yeah. How come you yourself never became a chef? Well, I worked, I worked for nine years in the kitchen. So yeah. all the way from dishwasher to to doing salads and, and uh, doing the grill and all the way, but I just, I, I found myself, uh, it's great working in a small knit team and, you know, us against the world and get all the food out looking perfect and everything like that. But uh, for me, I, I just liked uh, interacting with the customers, getting to know the people. There's such a variety of people that come through the door with different expectations and different needs and things like that. And for me that, you know, I, I just, I enjoyed that part of it. Hey, it's break time and it's the weekend. The long weekend to be exact, and it's supper time, so go get a glass of wine, maybe a beer, and we'll meet you right back here to talk more about the French cuisine prepared at the Promenade Cafe and Wine with owner Sean Branson. Welcome back to the main ingredient on 680 CJOB. Before we continue our conversation with Sean Branson from the Promenade Cafe and Wine, I want to let you know that we are one week away from the second annual Winnipeg Beer Festival. Last year there was eight breweries, this year there are 13 plus Capital K Distillery. Unlimited poutine to make sure you have a full stomach at all times, and samples from the best craft beer companies in the world. WinnipegBeerFestival.com is where you go for more information and to buy tickets, and I'm sure I'll see you there. Now, back to Sean at the Promenade Cafe and Wine in St. Boniface. 
what about French cuisine drew you in? Yeah, so uh, so I was there was something in the in the nineties and uh, and in, in the seventies called continental cuisine. So mm -hmm. in dining, you were either at a family style kind of greasy spoon place, or you're at, the tablecloth came out and you're in a suit or Beaujolais. We wore tuxedos. Yeah, there was no in between. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, there was nothing like right in the spoon middle or way high end. Exactly. So you know it. Uh, uh, you know, so that's kind of the, the way it was. Now things have changed. It's uh, broadened a lot more. So, I mean, so Continental Restaurant was kind of all sort of everything. Right. Uh, at, at Amici, it was northern uh, sort of Italian cuisine. So we had that kind of fine dining, a lot, of, a lot of veal and things like that. But when you go back in cuisine, a lot of it goes to the basics. And what are the basics? They're, they're uh, beurre blanc, like a white sauce, a basic bechamel, a, you know, a, you know a, a red wine sauce, like all these different things come from French cooking or their version of French cooking mixed with some other kind of cuisine, you mm -hmm. know, like whether it's Asian cuisine or, or whatever. And, and, you know, when you, when you look at whether it's a sushi restaurant. I like what you're talking for, by the way. Yeah, yeah, or any kind of thing. <laughs> Apparently I'm talking uh, more, <laughs> I'm than drinking you, and more than you. Um, everything, when, when you take it, like you take sushi and you take it to the next level, it, you're adding some kind of French technique or, 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 or a different thing like... Uh, I went to uh, uh, Chosabi and, and had a great foie gras uh, uh, roll. It was fantastic. Yep. Well, the foie gras is from, from you know, the French cooking and, and that sort of thing. So it's almost like it's the start of everything. It's the start. And when you want to go th take things to the core, it's just those kind of techniques. That's, that's where it is. And, and really, when I went over to Beaujolais, if, if, you know, a French restaurant in the French area in St. Boniface mm -hmm. and worked there for four and a half years before it closed down. Uh, um, it, uh, because of the bridge, which we're enjoying now, the, the benefits of having this grid bridge right outside the restaurant. Um, you know, I got to appreciate, you know, things that right, right from the beginning. And, and, uh, that's kind of where we stayed. I fell in love with St. Boniface and now we have both Promenade Cafe and Wine and, uh, Fort Gibraltar in St. Boniface. Yeah, not a bad setup, right? Yeah. You know, it's good. It's, it's a great community and mm -hmm. try to be heavily involved in it. And yeah. Try to be, you are. 2011 yeah, is when this true. opened, right? 2011, yeah, yeah. What was this restaurant before you opened it? It was uh, Promenade uh, Bistro. Oh, so, is that right? Yeah, so the creative one in me, of course. <laughs> I I got rid of the bistro and put cafe and wine, yep. and uh, you know, so. But I mean, what wasn't it wasn't broken. Uh, it didn't need to be fixed. And I worked for a little while at Dubrovnik Restaurant, which was one of those continental, those classic continental restaurants, and Goiko, um, uh, who was the chef there, and uh, so I bought the restaurant from. Uh, from Borka and Goiko yep. uh, in 2011. Borka still works for me and works with me and does all our desserts and stuff like that. For this uh, restaurant? For here, yeah. So wow. Goiko retired. I knew that he was retiring. And when we left Naqua Country Club, uh, uh, we, we were looking for a place. We knew that this was an option. So bought the restaurant in 2011 and uh, started at Fort Gibraltar earlier in the year in 2011 as well. Yep. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about this restaurant. Let's talk about okay. the menu. Yeah. How was it creating the menu? Uh, so, we, I mean, even though we kept some of the similar names, we wanted to take a spin on uh, um, classic French cuisine, which Goiko was, was doing already. Right. Um, but, you know, incorporating wine, incorporating those kind of things, you know, and, and some favorites, favorite items that, that I've experienced or whatever. We wanted to have something where it was very reasonably priced, where, um, you know, people could have a half-size portion or first full-size portion so they could sample different dishes. Uh, uh, we found originally we were thinking of doing something in the tapas range because that's what we were 
doing, planning on doing over at uh, Nyakwa, but we just said, you know what, uh, people, this is a restaurant that's loved by the community, so we just embraced that and grew it. And, and, uh, yeah, but you it's know, loved already, there's no point in changing yeah, something. Uh, yeah, you, you got to be really, you, when you redo anything, you make sure it has to be that much better or, you know, and that sort of thing. And uh, it wasn't broken, it was already a busy restaurant. We did extensive renovations. There was a fine dining area and a casual area. We yep. just basically made it all the same sort of experience throughout both sides. And uh, yeah, I used to come here when it was uh, Promenade Bistro, when it was just burgers and poutine and things yep. like that. We'd come here for a break because across the street from Beaujolais and come here. Yeah. So the interior, did it stay basically the same or what kind of changes did you guys make? Everything's changed, yeah. Everything's so changed. It used to be tile floor and sort of pergo flooring and that's all we put it all all redid the floors the walls uh the kitchen was all torn apart and everything that was a was a counter became a counter and fridge it's, it's actually a, it's a pretty big restaurant like uh you know 85 seats and originally the kitchen was made for uh you know a 40 seat burger and poutine restaurant oh this used to be a gas station really yeah and then uh gas station they they renovated and they put the other side which is cafe 22 yep and then uh, our dining room, the wine room on the other side, they added that later, so yeah. Okay, I know you know, there's no way I'm going to a restaurant without trying the food. So, the French Bistro Sandwich at the Promenade Cafe and Wine. That was my victim last week, and I killed it. That's coming up next. Welcome back to The Main Ingredient, I'm Kevin Bergen. The Promenade Cafe and Wine is where I was last week, eating as usual. So you'll notice that the owner, Sean, is doing most of the talking while I did what I do best eat well this is a french bistro sandwich so um it's uh basically beef tenderloin tips and uh beef tenderloin tips with garlic shallots mushrooms red wine a uh, bit of gravy mustard on garlic toast mm -hmm. with uh with some french fries so anyone can cook a really good you know uh really good steak like a you know a prime steak or whatever just you know and that sort of thing but um, you want to feed people and, and get good prices. You look at different things, different ways of using things. Right. And, and so, like, and we do it in different products, whether it's uh, dealing with local bison farmers and taking all their, all their uh, you know, roasts and stews and, and using those things for our burgers and our tortier, and then utilizing the beef tenderloin and the strip loin and the ribeye, selling that out because they can make a lot of money on that, right? right? In this case, we have, this is all beef tenderloin, mm -hmm. uh, beef tenderloin uh, tips. So when you get a beef tenderloin, it has, on one end it has the head and it has the tail. And those are the two parts that are not as desirable. They're a little bit tough. They've got a different grain to them. Mm -hmm. And what you want is right in the middle, which is the filet, uh, the Chateaubriand. So what we do is we have the heads and the tails and a little bit closer to the, to the middle, we use that. We saute it with the red wine and everything like that and serve it as an open face sandwich. So it's a nice... Uh, you get the nice quality beef, but it's uh, done in a more inexpensive way. So these beef tenderloin tips are things that we've we clean our tenderloins in the in the restaurant, but we also from some of the big steakhouses in the city we buy our meat from the same people. This is anywhere from prime to to black Angus to all the high qualities, mm -hmm. but they only want the fillets, making it more luxurious. Exactly, because they're not using those things in their restaurants for their you know sixty dollar steaks, seventy dollar steaks. So I decide, you know, we'll use it here. And originally this came from Victor's restaurant in Osborne Village, mm -hmm. where G Martini Bar is now, and Mizi Sushi. And basically we use the Chateau Briand during the night at Flambe Cart Service. And then for lunch we had the Bistro Sandwich because we'd uh, take the, the head and the tail and use that for this. Let's talk about the wine. 
Yeah. So um, one of the things uh, also is uh, it's when I had my first award-winning wine list, I had verticals of Chateau Petrus at $3,400 a bottle and, Jesus. you know, uh, Silver Oak uh, Reserve. And, and, you know, what was interesting is that uh, the people that bought those bottles were either coming from out of town and that sort of thing, mm -hmm. uh, um, or they were... There was one, like two or three people that would drink those bottles and they come into Beaujolais and have them. So at, at Beaujolais, like, ha, like when you use quality ingredients and expensive stuff, it's easy to do. Like uh, at uh, Beaujolais, uh, I had, uh, you know, we had 400 uh, wines on our list. Uh, you know, it was quite large with a big vertical. How do you keep track of stuff like that? Well, you you, uh, you really have to keep track of what you're what you're selling. You know, uh, uh, we had everything all par levels, and and some stuff you'd have to buy a couple thousand dollars worth of wine and sit on it for five years until it's ready to drink oh and, and drink it. So you know, and it's also knowing what's available at the private wine stores, the MLCC, and what you can take from there. Mm -hmm. So the, like, uh, so the Chateau Petrus story, you know, it's it's a really high end wine. Uh, you know, you can only sell it to so many people, but. There's other wines, you find those really good wines that are really good value that overproduce for what they are, mm -hmm. and, and you sell them to people, introduce them to people, and they thank you for that. And, and, and uh, when I went to Nacquo Country Club and started winning my, my awards there, we had a smaller list of about uh, 250 wines. Oh, just a totally yeah, small list. You know, and and, and I, I had the, uh, the junior Chateau Petrus, like the baby one, you know, the one where it's made in the same house, but, but uh, made with younger grapes and that sort of thing doesn't, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, here, what we're looking at doing is, is uh, this is our house wine, uh, it's uh, called Chateau Jaron, mm -hmm. which sounds great, southern France, and it is great. I, mean, I can't say that, I'm not even going to attempt to say that. No, uh, it yeah, sound yeah. so it comes from a house of Domaine de Présidente, which uh, sounds pretty fancy, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, so it's brought in from a private wine store, it's about $22 a bottle, it's a great wine, but not really suitable for, for the house wine. Mm -hmm. So anyways, when I was tasting their wines, love their wines, uh, uh, a little harder to sell because they, they do the Syrah and the, and the Grenache and all the typical grapes. So they're using some other different grapes that are grown in southern France. And I, and I heard that they, they had mentioned this uh, Chateau Jaron, which uh, is a, sort of an entry-level wine for the, for the house. And they only produce it for Australia. Now, the cool thing about Australia is way back when, like 15, 20 years ago, bag-in-the-box wines are actually good in Australia. And prefer, in fact, they prefer it. Really? Cause, yeah, because you're shipping to Australia from France or wherever, and you can fill a big shipping container, ship it down to those Aussies. It's in a big bag in the box. Totally travels it, well. It's yeah, travels well. It stacks. It's it, instead of like a bottle like this, it actually is a square or, yep. or a rectangle. Fits nicely, shipped over, and uh, and they're selling it. So as soon as I found out they're selling it in Australia, I said, "Would you be able to ship it to North America?" So we're getting a wine that is the quality of Domaine de Présidente at $22 a bottle, but now we're actually able to get a five-liter box of this wine, which is very good quality for a down? very good price. Right. Absolutely. Yes. So we can sell our wines by the glass, like this particular one, for like seven bucks. That's perfect. Right. And you couldn't do that with the other one. And you drink them side by side, it's a little less concentrated mm -hmm. as the Domaine de Présidente, but it's great for dishes like this and that sort of thing. So this is uh, the Chateau Geron. It's um, in your leisure. Okay, so yeah. When you want to go, uh, so you want to spin it around a bit. I won't go through the whole tasting thing. Spin around and give it a bit of a nose. So it has this nice kind of red berry characteristics. 
so the Grenache really comes it's nice forward. Nice look out in the sun shining, and we're sitting in here. With yes, that. yeah, almost like southern France here <laughs> in, in Manitoba and awesome. St. Boniface. So has a really nice, uh, you yeah, know, so some nice floral notes, mm -hmm. a bit of rose. Um, the Grenache is the, the juicy sort of nose. Yep. And then it ha it'll have the Syrah or the Shiraz on the back, which you'll get uh, black pepper and that sort of thing. So Where did you get your wine experience? Let's talk about that for a okay. minute. And what's that gargling noise you just made? Oh, did I gargle? You did. Well, okay. not gargle, you did the little... How rude. Yeah. How dare you. How dare me, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, the reason why I was gargling, I actually tilted my head forward. I was breathing air through the wine, so it was bubbling around. It mixes it around my palate to the roof of the mouth, tip of the tongue, underneath the tongue, and you just get to taste it more. Like if it was a tequila, even tequila, <laughs> like, you know, you shoot it down if it's a cheap one. If, if, it's, a, one, you're if go it's a good one, you go, <laughs> you know, and then you'd probably throw up because okay, it'll okay, go up okay. your nose. So you and your yeah. wife are out for dinner. Right. It's anniversary. Yeah. Pour wine, you gargle it. Yes. Just slightly. <laughs> Does she? Just the, the half gargle. Does she? No. no. Does she go? Dude, it's our anniversary. Yeah. You're gurgling wine. No, she's pretty much, you know what, that's a good one, or I don't like it kind of thing, yeah. you know? So, um, no, she puts me in charge of doing all the all the things associated with gurgling. And, gotcha. I understand. Yeah. But let's try some of this. Let's try Okay, try sure. That's good. I wanted to have something, you know, the kind of steak fritz, kind of, you know, have that sort of beef version, but do it at a reasonable price. And sometimes a menu can intimidate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of, it's almost eases people into it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like steak free. Ooh, what is that? You know, it's just it's just steak, steak with fries and that sort of thing. Right, and then they're open to trying, you know, other things. Mm -hmm. How popular is it? Very popular lunch, lunchtime, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And people come for it specifically. We have some regulars that come every second day, and this is what they have. I'll have this when I come, you know, to the restaurant. Mm -hmm. So the fries, we punch our fries fresh, and like pretty much that's the, the cool thing about the restaurant and how things have been, like at all my restaurants, is you want to make things from scratch. So we get the, the potatoes in, you know, we're punching the potatoes, blanching them, refrying them, you know, the meat, we're all getting it together and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. and, you know, just uh, real food, it tastes good. I was practically silent that whole segment, right? The dude basically puts down a steak sandwich in front of me, and thinks I'm actually going to continue talking. We're going to talk about the importance of supporting Loco with Promenade Cafe and wine owner Sean Branson after we take one more break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of the main ingredient, buying local. It's not just a catchphrase, it's the right thing to do. We all win when we do. So I spoke with Sean Branson, the owner of the Promenade Cafe and wine last week, about how important it is to him. Yeah, it's something I bought into 14 years ago. It's something... When I was running uh, Naqua Country Club, we did a lot of volume in the, in the, in the summer and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And tomatoes are so much different in the spring and the fall and, and, the, and the summer. And For sure. So we would make um, deals with, because we knew we had pretty consistent volume, mm -hmm. we make deals. So, for example, Greenland Gardens, we uh, would say, okay, lock in the price of tomatoes. We'll buy, we'll, we'll have X amount of potatoes per week or tomatoes per week. And uh, that way they knew that they had steady income coming in as a, as a small grower, uh, although they're not very small anymore. Right. And, but it's a good uh, partnership. But they, yeah, exactly. We know that we're going to be moving a few cases. You know, we know we get quality product. So now we, we, we deal with a lot of different local uh, producers. 
our jams and jellies we get from Crampton's, Crampton's mm -hmm. Jam. Our, uh, our eggs are all free-run uh, chicken eggs from Nature's Farm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, our honey, we get John Russell honey. And we've been doing, we've been dealing with these people for, you know, even before Promenade, you know, uh, the, the bison is an interesting story because we were having, uh, we wanted to do bison. Game, game meats really worked well at uh, Provence Bistro, but we were running out of, of uh, bison. We did tenderloin, strip loin, ribeye's a little fatty and people don't appreciate it as much, although it's delicious. Mm -hmm. But after that, the other cuts are a little too tough because bison's not very fat. And... Uh, I said, okay, well, we need more bison. We worked our way through the strip loin and everything like that. And he said, well, we don't have any more bison. It's going to take about another six or seven months. And it was because he had all these roasts and all these other cut cuts of meat mm -hmm. that he was filling his freezers and all the expensive stuff he could sell. So at that time, I said, okay, let me help you move that other stuff. Mm -hmm. So we do bison burgers at Promenade. We have a bison torture, which is a French-Canadian meat pie. With the less um, expensive cuts? Well, that's the thing is, there's still great cuts. But right. With the bison meat, it's tricky because it's there's less fat there, so it's not as marbled. Right. So we'll use those cuts and we'll make and we'll help him move through products. Yeah, which is awesome, right? That that, well, solves, that solves problems for both of you. It we have a solution for both. We of have you. to support local. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting now with gas prices going up the way they are over the last couple of years, carbon taxes coming through, it's going to be more and more expensive to get our food. And over the last year, I'm pretty sure everyone's seen what the prices are at Safeway or Sobeys. You know what? I'm paying the same prices at the restaurants. So it's, it's even more tougher. Right. So it's going to force people to go local. It's going to force people to go local um, and support them, which is good. They should be doing that anyways. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it, it, uh, when we are able to deal directly, it, it, it makes it a lot easier. And, uh, yeah, because, I mean, California isn't growing food anymore. They've got droughts. That's where a lot of North America was getting their food. A lot of it's coming from South America now, and uh, it's expensive to move that food around the world, and we see it at our stores. So, what are the main things that have changed since you actually started your first restaurant to where you are now, um, industry-wise? Well, one thing is, I think minimum wage changed a lot. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I was making five twenty-five. I think, when I started. When we started at NAC, it was six fifty. Mm -hmm. So that certainly has changed. Now... The only people that make minimum wage at my restaurants are the servers because they make tips. Everyone else right. makes more, but mm -hmm. that certainly has changed. I think that the uh, I was in at the very beginning of sort of the wine. There was no sommeliers here when I was doing wineless, so I was at the very beginning stage. So I know that people there are is a, a better wine culture here that um, has been developed, and and there's a lot of amazing people that are great tasters or doing great things in our in our market. We have craft beers now, which. Uh, is very important and you know we talk about supporting local we have uh, I think it's 14 now mm -hmm. uh, uh, independent uh, brewers like including the b good people at Barnhammer here and we need to support them because uh, you know it's important and I mean hey stuff doesn't travel very far when it goes from Barnhammer to the MLCC and comes here right everything else is traveling all over the world right. you know yeah. stuff from New Zealand comes three times a year you know it's shipped across the world mm -hmm. yeah so it's easier to support local now because it is it is it has grown in the mm -hmm. last 10 years exponentially right it Even has. in the last two years oh yeah right especially beer wise crazy exactly i mean there was a small little little bunch of beers that came through two rivers and agassiz mm -hmm. and then uh fort gary opened up so those were the first three uh, that being said there was uh there's a history of beers in in winnipeg breweries uh 
uh, brewery. They were uh, just uh, on Main Street there. Drury's Brewery? Drury's, I believe. It I was yeah. I got some actually old Drury's bottles that we use for uh, centerpieces and stuff like that here for Mother's Day and seeing if I had one, but I don't have one here. But, uh, and even there was a, where we do a food at Lower Fort Gary, there was a, a brewery there as well for a while. Mm -hmm. So, and then uh, people thought drinking was terrible and bad and, yeah, oh my God, and then uh, all that, you know, has changed. Speaking of which, how was the uh, Winnipeg Beer Festival last year? Last year was, I think it was a, a great okay. success. Yeah, mm -hmm. we had, um, um, there was eight uh, breweries uh, uh, there as well as Capital K. Um, you know, it was uh, 500 people that came through and, uh, you know, enjoyed the beers. For me, you know, I really wanted to, and Kevin, you're, help, you're helping out with this as well and, and promoting the local beer scene. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's so important to support local and it's great. Even for, for me, it's hard to taste all those different beers and be mm -hmm. able to get out. So to have them all in one place, it's really spectacular. Yeah, it's and even then I was just too busy that night and get to taste as many as I would have liked. But I think it was a great event, the beer festival. Yeah, we're going to do it again in second year and uh, with, with support of the Brewing Association. And part of the proceeds from, from the event is going to go towards the Brewing Association. So support local and uh, yeah, have a great night. For sure. Yeah. Okay, so if you could go back in time yeah. and give young Sean Branson one piece of advice before he owns his own restaurant, before he opens his first restaurant. Yeah. That piece of advice would be what? Whew, that's a tough question. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any regrets, to be honest. No? No. Like, I've always, I've done different things, whether I had a paintball survival game business, that an indoor and outdoor field, that I had bought the franchise from Manitoba and was selling different things. You knew yeah. you were working for yourself. For yeah. yourself from, from yeah. I had uh, that fishing business that I was doing different things. I always knew that I would, you know, either manage a team or uh, or lead a team. And, uh, you know, the one thing that advice that I'm glad I took, whether it was on purpose or an accident, mm -hmm. when I was running, uh, when I created G Martini Bar and was running Papoli Restaurant, I had partners and, and I, I was just working my way towards partnership, but the big investors was their money. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I learned how to run a restaurant on someone else's dime. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of mistakes you make when you're first to, you know, starting out and stuff like that. Front end, it looks all sexy. You know what I mean? When yeah. you go to a restaurant, it's going all well. As a customer, if it's going well, yeah. it looks all sexy. And yeah, I could do this and I want to do right. this. Right, yeah. But then reality kicks in. Yeah, I, I'm lucky that I, uh, you know, that I that I learned with uh, someone else's money and not all my money. <laughs> uh, you know, did that for a while in Osborne Village. And then I, I was lucky that I just, uh, you know, I, I was lucky that my best friend from five years old was one of the best chefs in the city and I was able to, to learn from him. He had three restaurants and stuff like that. Who's that? Heinz Kattenfeld, yeah. Heinz and Joanna, yeah. And uh, they had Victor's, Amici, and Pantages, and I started at Pantages. And then I was one of the ones that broke away because Victor's was sold and uh, Popoli Restaurant was sold in Osborne Village. I created G Martini Bar. And I sort of separated from the rest of the group and, uh, you know, um, worked at Beaujolais after that and uh, learned a lot from Valerie. Valerie became my partner in Nanaqua. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was good. Uh, Good times there, yeah. And uh, but yeah, no, I, I don't have any regrets. I've always tried different things, and you know, um, glad the route that I took. It was hard. It was a lot of work, right? You know, but um, it also you have to you have to take a look at where you are. You have to take a look at where do you want to go, mm -hmm. and you can't just go right where you want to go. You have to work your way towards it. And sometimes 
their path isn't straight. Right. It, it's, well, you think it's you're, right. you're, you're planning this way, but it, it, exactly. it meanders a little bit, and you have to accept that. Yeah. That was my good friend, Sean Branson, owner of the Promenade Cafe and Wine in St. Boniface. Great place to go for dinner or brunch this long weekend. Enjoy the weather, everyone. Talk to you next week.